Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include what people are making out there, my interview with Rob Chrisman on secondary marketing basics, and like a mailman, the Fed delivered. Want to power a better lending journey from application to close? Meet Blend's Mortgage Suite, strengthened by features that improve and accelerate across the homeownership journey including the LO toolkit, hybrid, and fully digital closing capabilities, and upfront quality of life perks like purchase affordability and soft credit pull. Hundreds of financial institutions are closing more loans every day despite challenging conditions. Discover how a partnership can help you thrive by visiting blend.com. Jobs and housing drive our economy in the United States, and tomorrow we receive the monthly jobs data. What are people making out there? Airport food service employees start at about $14 an hour, a UPS package car driver starts at $21 an hour, a driver with four years on the job can make about $42 an hour, with an average driver earning $95,000 a year with benefits. Freddie Mac made more than that per hour in the first quarter, and its 10Q showed a net income of $2 billion, though that was a decrease of 47% year-over-year, primarily driven by lower net revenues and a credit reserve build in the current period compared to a credit reserve release in the prior year period. The company showed net revenues of $4.8 billion, a decrease of 17% year-over-year, as higher net interest income was offset by a decline in non-interest income. For today's interview, I want to welcome back to the show my dad, Rob Chrisman, to talk about secondary marketing basics. So you are known as a capital markets guy. Can you explain what it means to sell a loan on the secondary market? Sure. Lenders, whether they be banks, credit unions, independent mortgage banks, even brokers eventually, produce loans which are assets. They A loan is a miniature bond. And in theory, the borrower makes their payments every month, just like the U.S. Treasury or a municipal bond or a corporate bond. And that monthly payment has value depending on the coupon and depending on whether or not the borrower is making their payments. But in effect, it's a little miniature bond. And when you pool them together, then you make a larger mortgage-backed security. And then you have the interest of money managers or pension funds or insurance companies around the world. So When somebody says that they are selling a loan, what they are doing is selling the cash flow of that loan. And the buyer of that loan, of that little miniature bond, may or may not service the loan, in which case a servicer receives the payment and passes the monthly amount on to whoever owns the asset. So when you sell a loan, you are selling the cash flow to for example, an insurance company or a pension fund, and they are investing in that security. Can you explain how prices in the secondary market are determined and how that impacts a borrower's interest rate in the primary market? Sure. A a primer on pricing. So mortgage pricing isn't set by the Fed. It's not set by Jerome Powell. It's not set by Janet Yellen. It's not set by the president. It's set by supply and demand. 
And if a if investors want mortgages and mortgages are not being produced, i.e. volume is dropped off, then the price tends to go up and rates tend to go down. If there is no demand by investors for a given mortgage product, then the price will drop to the point where it attracts investors. But when the price drops, rates go up. And supply and demand, of course, is impacted by liquidity. So for example, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, conventional conforming loans go into mortgage-backed securities that are very, very liquid and trade all the time in the secondary market. The same with FHA and VA loans going into Ginnie Mae securities that are very liquid. And Ginnie Mae securities have an explicit guarantee by the U.S. government backing those loans. And so you have a situation where investors demand a certain yield, and that is derived by a certain price in the, in the, uh, in the markets. And so that demand by investors flows through to the rate sheet pricing that borrowers are offered by lenders across the nation. The capital markets person, one of their jobs or one of their jobs is to find investors for the products that that particular lenders originate, originators want to originate. So in effect, the, the flow of communication might be a loan officer or an account executive who's calling on brokers might contact capital markets person and say, hey, we could really use a you know five one arm buy down, you know, asset, you know, bank statement, blah, blah, blah. And that capital markets person then is tasked with trying to find an investor for it so that the originator or the account executive can offer it. There's not a lot of new investors out there. And oftentimes the the products are very, very similar from one lender to the next. So uh, it's a relatively vanilla environment, but that's how pricing tends to flow. What do you feel like LOs need to know about how rates are set in terms of them going to their capital markets person and saying, hey, I'm getting beat up on rate. I can't compete. I can't compete. Why Why do you feel like the capital markets person can't necessarily uh, help them out like they'd like? Well, if you look at the components of pricing, the basic price is set by set in the mortgage-backed security market. The price that those mortgage-backed security trade at it has a direct impact on pricing. The second big component is the value of servicing. One company may value servicing more than another company, or one company may artificially have a value of servicing that is different than where it is actually valued in the marketplace. So the value of servicing enters into it. And the last big component that differs between companies is overhead. If I can produce a loan and it only costs me $500 to produce that loan, 
and I'm competing with a company where it costs $12,000 to produce a loan, I can pass those savings on to the borrowers. So overhead is a huge component uh, and that figures into profit margin as well. If I want to make a lot per loan, I will do fewer loans, but I'll make more per loan. If I want to be, you know, Ford Motor Company and produce thousands of loans every day or every month, I can have a lower profit margin on each loan and still uh, do well. Finally, what advice would you give a young person in this industry that wants to make a career out of it? Or what advice would you give me, a young person in the mortgage industry? Well, it depends on what motivates you and and where you want to <laughs> both both take. Myrtle and I both Myrtle and I are motivated by food. Food, yeah. Paying for paying for food uh is a real problem these days. But nonetheless, it depends on, on what you're motivated by and where you want to have a career. The fact of the matter is people need loans, whether those are car loans, home loans, student loans, you know, credit cards, whatever it might be. Credit helps drive economies around the world. And with regard to home loans, people will always need to borrow to buy a home or to refinance to pay for medical bills or a new RV or whatever it might be. It's important, though, to know that the the industry is always changing and Along those lines, it's important to know that the industry is filled with some really neat people and very smart people and savvy business people. And so I wouldn't bet against most of the brokers or CEOs or owners of companies out there because they they are smart and they do know the business. So if you're looking at a career, what advice I might give somebody, it's important to align yourself with a company that appears to be smart and that has a good reputation and that is financially stable. And sometimes those things don't always play out over time, but nonetheless, the, the culture of an organization that you're looking at working in is very, very important. And just like mergers and acquisitions, when lenders are looking at merging or acquiring other lenders, the, the corporate culture is so important to make sure that works. And similarly, when you're looking at a company to go to work for in this industry, culture uh, is a big deal. And respecting the people who started the company is a big deal. The Fed news was expected, but attention today is elsewhere. In banking news, First Horizon is now in the news along with PacWest, both trying to bolster confidence with investors. PacWest, whose stock dropped 50%, is looking at selling its securities, but many smell blood in the water despite the bank reporting that deposit outflows are not out of the normal. Meanwhile, Congress continues to jawbone about the debt ceiling, allowing spending that has already been approved. Back to the Federal Reserve, who did what almost everyone said it would do yesterday, announcing a 25 basis point raise in its 10th consecutive interest rate hike, bringing rates above 5% for the first time since 2007. Fed officials suggested it could be the final move in the most aggressive tightening campaign since the 1980s, 
as language indicating that some additional policy firming may be appropriate was removed. The Fed's language was similar to what's been used before to signal the end of a tightening cycle, while still theoretically retaining a tightening bias. As always, it's data-dependent. Fed Chairman Powell pushed back on suggestions that a pause is imminent during his press conference, saying that inflation is still running hot, and a data-dependent approach will be used to determine if additional tightening is needed. If this is indeed the peak of the Fed's tightening cycle, mortgage rates should drift down over the course of the year as the U.S. economy slows and as financial market volatility settles down and the banks finish selling mortgage-backed securities. Ahead of tomorrow's payrolls report, and after yesterday's strong ADP employment figures, it was reported this morning by global outplacement and business and executive coaching firm Challenger Gray and Christmas Inc. that U.S.-based employers announced 66,995 cuts in April a 176% increase from the 24,286 cuts announced in April of 2022. Though the figure fell 25% from the 89,703 cuts announced in March and marks the lowest month of job cuts so far this year. We've also received weekly jobless claims in at 242,000, up from 230,000, about as expected. The March trade deficit down to negative $64 billion, which was a little dramatic and preliminary Q1 productivity in a negative 2.7% and unit labor costs up 6.3%, a contributor to inflation. Ahead of the open, Norges Bank announced its latest monetary policy decision with the ECB expected to deliver 25 base points, hawkish hike, followed by President Lagarde's press conference. We begin the day with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from Wednesday's close, and the 10-year yielding 3.38 after closing yesterday at 3.40%, the two years down to 3.86%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Dear Lord, so far today, I've done all right. I've not gossiped, not lost my temper, not been grumpy, not been nasty, selfish, or greedy, and I'm really thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on, I need some help. (laughs) Thanks again to Blend for sponsoring today's episode. Find out how their digital end-to-end mortgage experience can help you reach your business goals at blend.com. It's about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities. Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.